0: You're listening to the Violence Design Lab Podcast, Episode 8. Welcome to the Violence Design Lab Podcast. Now here's the mad scientist himself, David Barefoot. Greetings, David here. Welcome back to the podcast. Well, there's only a few days left in the Hotspur Challenge. Hope your fights are coming along and I look forward to seeing some great videos of your work. If you're new to the podcast or to the Design Lab, the Hotspur Challenge is a contest to design the Hotspur vs. Prince Hal sword fight from Shakespeare's play Henry IV Part I, but using choreography that emulates historical sword techniques from specific treatises or masters. The submissions will then be voted on by you, visitors to the website, and the winner will receive a 16-ounce bottle of Blood Jam from Gravity and Momentum. Blood jam is a, well, I I can call it revolutionary stage blood that not only looks good and is very customizable in terms of viscosity and also edible if you accidentally swallow it, but this stuff is chemically formulated to stop the pigment from staining costumes or other surfaces. It's great stuff. Check it out. If you go to violencedesignlab.com forward slash hotspur, you'll find a graphic that says we get bloody with gravity and momentum. Click that. It'll take you right to their website. Now, this week's episode is the second part in a three-part series called Crafting the Compelling Fight. Last week, I had a great interview with Stuart McDonald and Marcus Byron of Glecka in Melbourne, Australia, who talked about finding the fight personality. And this week, I want to discuss a technique for creative choreographic inspiration that I call Finding the Difference. Now, if you're listening to this episode while you're in your car or working out or in the train or whatever, don't worry. Like I often do, I've put all the tips I'm going to talk about into a handy one-page PDF for you. I'll tell you how to get that a bit later on. Now, there have been times when I'm starting to plan the choreography for a fight that I draw a blank. I mean, maybe you're familiar with the scene. I'm, I'm in my house. I read through the fight scene. I know what has to happen in the fight. put down the script, pick up my sword, and nothing. I'm just staring at the blank wall in my living room. Or I'm in the studio with an assistant, and I'm just staring across a couple of swords at him while he waits for me to figure out what I'm going to do. Now, in a sparring match or competitive bout, it's usually not too bad, right? Someone throws an attack, the other person responds, either successfully or unsuccessfully, and off you go. Now, of course, you can start developing a choreographed fight in just that way, and many people do, but you run the risk of ending up with a wandering vanilla-flavored fight where it's honestly hard to tell one character from the other. Because if you define the characters as two guys with swords who want to kill each other, you're going to have a hard time figuring out where to start or what the story of the fight is. So, One of my favorite tricks to jumpstart my inspiration in those moments is to find the difference. In other words, figure out how these characters are different from each other and highlight that all through the fight. Find something you can keep coming back to, a theme you can explore throughout the conversation of the fight. That difference helps you understand the relationship between the characters better, and it helps the audience to be able to differentiate them in their minds. One of the possible ways to do this is a difference in styles. We touched on this last week when Stumac and Marcus talked about the accent of the fight dialogue. Now, my design aesthetic tends to be very rooted in historical masters. So sometimes, I assign characters two different contemporary fighting styles and have fun crashing them together. I mean, you can build a whole fight on how an Italian rapier style tries to, German, tries to deal with a German cut-and-thrust style or a Spanish destreza fighter. But sometimes, fighting styles from different regions wouldn't be appropriate for the characters. But you can still differentiate between fighters, even if their overall weapon style is the same. There is a 1948 movie version of The Three Musketeers starring Gene Kelly. He is amazing, of course, as D'Artagnan. He's incredibly acrobatic and swashbuckling and charming. But in that film, the actual Three Musketeers, Athos, Porthos, and Erebus are almost indistinguishable from each other. They look basically the same, and they fight just the same. Now, contrast that with the Three Musketeers movie shot in the 70s with Mark, Michael York, Oliver Reed, Richard Chamberlain, etc. That film did a great job of showing us the difference between Athos, Porthos, and Aramis, both in terms of their personalities and the manner in which they fought. Swordmaster Bill Hobbs, he gave us an Athos who was a vicious fighter, an Aramis who was elegant, almost playful, and a Porthos who had a habit of getting disarmed and then using improvised weapons. So maybe one of your fighters has a direct crash-and-bash approach, while the other prefers to circle around, change the angle, and attack from the sides. Or one person is extremely precise and fights with a cold and clinical detachment, while the other... Rides a torrent of emotions when they fight. You know, good, your hate gives you power, young Jedi. Anyway, there are any number of ways you can find to make your fighters distinct using this difference of styles. Another find-the-difference creativity jumpstart is a difference of weapons. Now, weapon choice is an extremely potent way of defining a character. In fact, I imagine at some point I'll do a whole podcast episode about the ramifications of, of weapon choice. But imagine an an example of a Tybalt who comes looking for Romeo with a Zweihander instead of a rapier. I mean, that says something completely different, right? And it's pretty clear that Tybalt isn't there for a gentleman's duel. Now, granted, that is a somewhat outlandish example for most productions, but but follow it down with me. Imagine that fight between Romeo's rapier and Tybalt's huge two-handed sword. That should get your creativity flowing, Right. And as Marcus mentioned in our discussion last week, the weapons themselves become a character in that fight. I think we also even talked about uh, the movie Rob Roy, about the rapier versus backsword fight there, which is another great example of a difference of weapons. Now, you may also get a break uh, creatively, I should say, if your actors have drastically contrasting body types. In other words, they have a difference of physique. You know, you have an actor who's a six-foot-eight linebacker facing off against someone who's five-foot-three. I mean, that presents a stage picture you cannot ignore. If you choreograph those two actors to be equal-strength characters, or for their blows to have equal effect on the other, something unusual in the story better be going on to explain the lack of the disparity. Or, the audience might start to wonder what 's happening, I remember designing a show where I had to travel to another state, and i didn 't get the chance to meet the actors before the choreographic rehearsal and In the scene I was doing, the king was supposed to strike a servant whose message he didn 't like, and I had planned for the king to come off really pretty brutal. he was going to throw a back fist and hit this guy when I got there, I found out that the king was literally six foot five and he was two hundred and forty pounds of muscle. The guy was ripped while the servant was a scrawny little college kid, maybe 140 pounds soaking wet. Now, this was pretty early in my career, so I said, well, I, I've designed this already, so I just went ahead and I gave out the choreography, and after a bit, the guy playing the king came up to me and said, look, um, I don't mean to tell you your job, but I feel like if I hit that guy the way you wanted to, I wanted me to, I mean, I mean, look at it, I saw it, and I was like, uh-huh, yeah, you'd Probably kill him, I said. He's like, yeah. And and he was right. So I changed it. Now I didn't change the story of the violence. The king still hit him, I still wanted the king to look brutal, but because of their size difference, I needed to change the technique I had selected in order to tell the story that I had intended. So sometimes you're going to need to adjust your techniques to fit the bodies of your actors. I always recommend that. But sometimes huge disparities, which pose a challenge at first, they can become an opportunity to play if there's a big difference of physique. The fourth uh, difference, uh, and the last one I'm going to talk about today, there's probably an infinite number of differences, but the last one for today is a difference of goals. Many years ago, I was working on a show called The Emperor's Nightingale for Children's Theater Fantasy Orchard in Chicago. And this play, it's a children's play, it's about a magical singing nightingale and an emperor who wants to capture her to sing only for him. And the night before I was supposed to come in and teach the actors the choreography, the the, the fight scene where he captures her, I was stuck Everything I was coming up with was complete garbage. Nothing felt right. I had been trying and trying to wrap my head around this fight until I realized it wasn't a fight I should be designing at all. You see, a fight is a dramatic problem that people on both sides believe that force is the best way to solve. Let Let me say that again. A fight is a dramatic problem that people on both sides believe that force is the best way to solve. Yes, that means both sides must decide to fight. An execution is not a fight. Titus Andronicus cutting off his own hand, not a fight. An ambush is not a fight if the victim goes down on the initial assault. What about people who are cornered without escape? What about if that ambush victim... Isn't killed on the initial attack and, and and then confronts his his adversary. Well, that's not a choice, right? He didn't decide he was going to be ambushed, but it is a choice because people who those kind of people always had the option. To let the other person kill them. They have the option to die. Now, obviously, this is not a great option for most characters. Many characters feel death limits them, but the choice exists. If they decide to fight back, that is a character choice. Very often, a character will feel, or they'll even say, I have no choice because their family, or honor, or physical well-being, or fill in the blank, is threatened, but they are still choosing to respond with force. See, that was my problem designing the Emperor's Nightingale. The character of the Nightingale had been described as being a creature pure of heart, clearly was not the violent type. And I realized the problem I had choreographing this, this violence was because of a difference of goals. This wasn't a fight because the Nightingale would never choose to use force. She was trying to escape, not to fight the Emperor. He was trying to fight to capture her, but she was choosing to not fight. So to make a long story short, I ended up designing a movement sequence where the Emperor managed to ensnare the Nightingale's arm with a long rope. Then as she tried to escape and he tried to catch her, they went round and round, she became progressively more entangled until at last she couldn't move at all, but she never used force to fight back against him. I mean, I think the scene turned out beautifully, and the director started calling it the Emperor Nightingale ballet rather than fight. Although, with respect to my friends who actually do ballet, I'm sure it wasn't quite that lyrical, but you get the point. The point is, a difference in character goals can really shape a fight. Imagine if a young daughter freaks out and attacks her mother with a butcher knife, stabbing to kill. Well, the mother might not want to snatch up that handy fireplace poker and beat her daughter to death, But she may want to disarm her and restrain her instead. And that difference in goals is a great hook to hang that fight on. This often comes up with police officers. They have similar situations when they try to apprehend violent suspects without just gunning them down in the street. So finding the difference is a great way to jumpstart your creativity and craft a compelling fight. Now, at the top of the episode, I mentioned a cheat sheet of this information that I've compiled into a PDF for your reference. If you want to get it, please visit the website and click the resources link on the menu bar, or you can get there directly by just going to violencedesignlab.com forward slash seven download. That's the number seven download. Well, that's it for this episode. If you find this information useful, please take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes and give me a five-star rating if you can, because that moves my feed up the rankings and helps other people stumble across me. You can also find the lab on Facebook at facebook.com. Uh, slash violence lab. If you like that page, you'll get all my updates and information as well as the live videos that I intermittently do about other design features that are not quite rate a full podcast episode. Uh, You can subscribe for regular email notifications Uh, on the website. There's a lab reports tab in the top right corner. Well, once again, thanks so much for joining me and I look forward to talking with you next week. Until then, keep the fights on stage and peace in your life. David, out. Thanks for listening to the Violence Design Lab podcast. For more tips, tutorials, and downloadable resources, visit us at violencedesignlab.com.